Hey, welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Um, and what a what a Who Dat it is. After we were all kind of nervous about the Bucks, we ended up making Tom Brady almost cry. Um, so that was that was a, a really good game, really good game. And you know, it's it's upsetting. Uh, just people are like, "Oh, Saints offense stunk." It's like, yeah, but our defense, for the love of all that's holy, special know, teams like, too. Yeah, and special teams. It's like we actually have a well-rounded team, so it throws off the talking heads. Um, but, uh, but yeah, to see, like I said, Tom Brady almost cry a couple times. That was just, that was just too good. Do you guys like the game? I guess Fredo was in my living room watching it. So he knows. I liked it. So yeah. <laughs> Hope everyone was masked. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. Um, yeah, I, you know, so you can't extrapolate too much from one game ever. Uh, uh, yeah. Normally, week one tends to be the wackiest of NFL weeks because, you know, you're getting rookies coming in, new players coming in, new coaches. But then you add all the intricacies that COVID and no preseason and nothing else kind of threw into the mix. And, yeah, you're going to get goofy games and crazy outcomes. So, But we were right. The, the, the talking points have nothing to do with how well the Saints played. It had everything to do with the the bucks and how they just didn't do so hot but oh well we won you know whatever um, but on you know you know and actually what you what you guys think of the fake crowd noise i was actually okay with it it was i was actually kind of worried there wouldn't wasn't going to be any so it'd just be like crickets chirping in the background you know and um just having that white noise it was uh it was pretty good I think it's probably the right call to have something there. Like you said, if it were just nothing at all, I think it'd be more distracting. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't. It didn't. I didn't hate it. Yeah, having uh, having gotten adapted to it by all the soccer over the summer, I kind of have come to accept it. I think my biggest my biggest moment when I actually had an issue is, you know, whenever you had those turnovers. So like uh, when we recovered the fumble uh, kickoff, when Janoris Jenkins had that pick six. Because in my mind, I know the sound of the Superdome when something like that happens, and it's <laughs> the roof blows off of the place. So the fact that they're, they're you know, if it only felt like fifty percent, they didn't crank it up all the way high in those moments. I'm like, yeah, that's when that's when I noticed it. No, I'll tell you, when I really noticed it more was when the pass interference penalties happened. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. those calls would have been booed. Those refs yeah. would have been booed within every inch of their life. And it's so I, think the, I think the, the quote of the week comes from Cam Jordan when he was asked what he thought about playing in a stadium with no stands. He was like, well, it was like we were playing at a Tampa game. <laughs> There's some truth so, there. Yeah, but, uh, and uh, on Bummer Saints news, we got Michael Thomas with a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. And Emmanuel yeah. Sanders was out of practice today. Double. Yeah. So. But I think he'll go. I think he'll go. And look, if you're going to miss Michael Thomas, you'd rather miss him right now as opposed to the tail end of the season. Um, this gives some time to get healthy, and we have enough weapons. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's our Houdat talk. Just had to just had to gloat there for a second uh, because, again, almost. I, and I love the meme that's going around of if um, I demand to talk to your manager was a quarterback. <laughs> uh, that's the best meme. All right, so uh, tonight, though, we've got 
it's been a good Star Wars last couple days because the Mandalorian season two trailer dropped. And so that's going to be uh, the most of our nerding out on this one. So if you don't want any spoilers or speculation of spoilers, things like that, I mean, we're not going to, we're going to hold, I'm not going to hold back on rumors I've heard and things like that because they are just rumors. That doesn't mean anything, but it's going to get our conversation going, but we're going to be analyzing that uh, trailer like true geeks that we are. Um, but before that though, we got to do some trivia. So Fredo, I'll start with you. What's your favorite color? Uh, blue. No, uh, red. <laughs> ah! All right. Well, we're going to go. Okay. So we'll go with red. All right. Who takes more seconds to outduel Kit Fisto? I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Who takes mere seconds to oh. outduel Kit Fisto? Okay, I was expecting a multiple choice there. So who I'm takes good. mere seconds to outduel Kit Fisto? I'm gonna go with Darth Sidious. It is Darth Sidious. That is the lamest lightsaber fight in all of Star Wars history, and that's even saying the Obi Wan Darth Vader fight in A New Hope. Well, I always thought that Ian, I mean, Ian McDermott always said that he wasn't a fan necessarily of the lightsaber duels that he, you know, the two duels that he had to get into for that movie. I mean, he, he was game up for him, but it's that he wasn't comfortable with it. He should have just forced lightning them all to death. That's just the way that should have happened. But anyway. Um, the, moment, the moment you bring up Yoda's lightsaber, you got to have Darth Sidious's lightsaber. Well, I don't mind that duel, but it's just the, the I don't know, you got three Jedi and it's just slow moving and it's, they're just standing. It's, like when Batman's fighting people, they just stand there until they get hit, you know? Anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> I kind of like that spin move that he has, though, where, like, that demon sound escapes oh, the from barrel his mouth. Roll, yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know? It's, it's fun. I like it. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm looking real quick at uh, uh, Fredo's news notes. I don't want to steal anything. So I'll, I'll okay. just interject here because I don't see it on here. Uh, rumor I saw this week that uh, in works for Disney Plus is a Mace Windu, young Mace Windu show. Hmm, I had not seen that. Must have missed it, but yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I see so many rumors. It's, it could be like, yeah. hey, it's a young Dave Gladow show, and I would probably, you know. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, who would you get to? Who would you get to play young Dave though? Jonas Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think uh, Dave says the word M, you know MF or as much as Samuel does. He he should. He'd feel you'd feel better, you know. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, all right, well Dave, uh, we'll throw it to you now. Um which star destroyer is pursuing Han when the Falcon loses its main rear deflector shield? Ooh. Which Star Destroyer is pursuing Han when the Falcon loses its main rear deflector shield? Oh. Um, man, I'd never be able to name it. And I wouldn't even be able to tell you the commanding officer, I don't think, either. Uh, yeah, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I don't think I could name the Star Destroyers either. This one, But when I see it, I'm like, okay. Fredo, you have a guess? No, but I know that uh, it's uh, Captain Nita is the commanding officer. It's the Avenger. The Avenger, right. I only remember um, 
the executor or right yeah right. or the executioner or is, uh, some people say executor i say ex oh. executor i don't know yeah cares. Uh, i'm trying to remember there's uh, uh whatever that was a tough one i apologize for that isn't it, but isn't it the part when he they're moving into attack position isn't right. that the yeah. part yeah right? yeah that's that's when the guy goes lord vader demands an update on your pursuit and he's like I'll yeah. go apologize for that. That's right. That's what I remember that's the captain's right. name. Yeah. Apology, Apology accepted. Is accepted. Yes, Captain of course. Nida. Apology accepted, Captain Nida. All right. So, what color markings designate a battle droid rated as a pilot? Oh, goodness. You pick hard or hard for the last two. Yeah, this is mine. What color markings designate a battle droid rated as a pilot? So I know yellow is like the commander. That's like um nine. Um, I, I, I'm going to say red. Ah, it's blue. That's what I was going to go with. It's blue. Ah, oh, man. So Fredo is the only one who uh, survived trivia one. this week. Wow. I would buy blue because I think the droids that were piloting Grievous's ship were blue. Mm -hmm. I was oh, going to okay. say purple. I don't know why. But anyway. So, well, yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. Well, let's uh, now our trivia's out of our way. Our brains are kind of warmed up. Uh, it looks like uh, Dave's got an Oktoberfest. Um, I have an Oktoberfest. And... Uh, I'll have an Oktoberfest later. It's in the fridge. So okay. I got a Bell's Oktoberfest, so trying to follow in Dave's footsteps and get as many, uh, try as many Oktoberfests as we can. Oh, see, that's what I did. I, you, you, you got me, Dave, because I was like, you know what? Yeah, I have been drinking a lot of IPAs, you know, this summer and everything. So it's, you know, getting to be fall. You need something a little darker, you know. So, um, so yeah, we we got Oktoberfest here as well. All right, let's go into the news. Okay, so first bit of news, and uh, the Emmys are this Sunday, and actually. Uh, uh, it's actually going to be the last bit of news. And, of course, Mandalorian is uh, listed in as one of the nominees for about a total of 19. But it's already won a, a number of them. So uh, five creative Emmys were awarded to the Mandalorian yesterday on the Creative, Emmys, uh, creative Arts Emmys website. So it won awards for Outstanding Special Visual Effects, Outstanding Cinematography, Outstanding Sound Mixing, Outstanding Sound Editing, and Outstanding Production Design. So of the 19, it's already got five in the bag. And the other 14 are going to come into play uh, this Sunday at 7 p.m. our time on ABC. I mean, it's, it's well-deserved. I mean, and, you know, but I, I still get back to, I would really like to see Star Wars start winning something more than just, you know, the technical. Technical goodies you know yeah. well, and you figure i mean if anyone's gonna win it you know win technical awards like that it's gonna be a show like star wars now look there's much more special effects a lot more budget for special effects in tv now than there were say when the uh, ewoks movie tv movies were being made but at the same yeah but at the same time uh there's almost like a like a, you have to have a commitment to push the medium because that's in the DNA of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So moving, yeah, moving right along. Uh, also talking about awards. Uh, they have held the, the Dragon Awards 2020. Uh, not sure 
Uh, and Star Wars won a number of things there because, of course, it did. I believe these are the awards that are connected to Dragon Con. So they're a set of literary media awards voted by fandom, awarded by Dragon Con. So Star Wars won for best sci-fi fantasy TV series. For we may, we, I'm sorry, we may have to make a road trip after Corona to like Dragon Con sometime. Mm -hmm. Yep. Road trip. Keep, no. keep going. Sorry, keep going, Fredo. So yeah, so no, so it won three awards. It won best sci-fi fantasy TV series for Mandalorian, best sci-fi fantasy movie for The Rise of Skywalker. Best sci-fi fantasy video game for Jedi Knight, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Cool. I wonder who else was in the running, but oh, uh, I had to listen. Nominees here up. Here. Uh, it's it's okay. I mean, of all the worthy uh, nominees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm so fond of Mandalorian. I think I'm more fond of it than I really ever expected to be. When we, we even when we started this podcast, and we're like, "This is what we're going to talk about." I was like, "Well, you know, I don't know if the show's going to be any good or not, but you know, let's let's start there and see where it takes us." And um, I, I'm at the point now where I'm like, "Yes, give it all the awards. Yeah, it's great. It does a good job of uh, speaking well for the work that they're doing at Disney Plus." So, talking about the next Disney Plus Star Wars project, which is Kenobi. Uh, Ewan McGregor's been doing the interview rounds. Uh, he's got a new TV series, I believe, it's on Amazon Prime, which is a continuation of his Long Wave series, uh, road series. He and his best friend, which I believe is Chuck Wendig. I don't know if it is. Or is. Anyway, he and another, uh, his best friend, travel on bikes across places. So, like, I want to say they did across Europe or across Africa. Right now, they're doing the Long Way Up, which is from the tip of South America all the way up to North America. They're trying to do that drive, what it's like. So he's been doing uh, interviews about it, and then I started asking him about the Kenobi series. So in the sets of interviews that he's done, uh, uh, it's Charlie Borman, by the way. He's got a truck Quintic cheese. Anyway, during the interviews, they asked him about Kenobi. And he says, uh, we'll start production next year in the spring. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be great, I think. And uh, so they asked him, okay, you know, is there a chance for – Anything else beyond that, you know, second season? He says, as I understand it, it's a standalone season. We'll see, though. Who knows? So on a tangent, uh, did I hear that he's been kind of uh, poking fun and kind of running down the prequels? Well, no, actually, uh, that's part of the interview. So regarding, you know, because they started asking about it. Actually, no, he says, uh, I'm more excited. Well, what he says is, I'm more excited about doing this one than I was doing the second and third that we did before. I'm excited about working with Deborah Chow, and the storylines are going to be really good, I think. I'm just excited to play him again. It's been long enough since I've played him before. Now, go ahead. I was going to say, one of, the, one of the comments that he did make was just um, how he understands now how appreciated those films are, like more so than a lot of people wanted to acknowledge at the time because he hears from fans all the time uh, who were kids when those movies came out that fell in love with them and really appreciated them. And, uh, yeah, and for, for that reason, he's excited to come back to it too. Yeah, right, you, I, I, I thought I had heard a comment that he like was kind of, uh, I, th I thought there was some negative comments towards like uh, Phantom Menace and towards the, the prequels. And I was, okay, so you guys are bringing, you're talking me off the cliff. All right. 
Yeah, no, I'll give you I'll give you his exact quote. He says, quote, you know, our films weren't much like when they came out by my generation who loved the first ones. I think people of our generation wanted to feel the way they felt when they saw those first three movies when they were kids. And George wanted to take our ones, our movies, in a different direction. He had a different idea. It was tricky at the time, I remember. But now, all these years later, I'm really aware of what our films meant to the generation they were made for, the children of that time. They really liked them. I've met people who went, who, they mean a lot to them, those films, more so than the original three. And I'm like, are you kidding? So he's not necessarily talking them down. He's saying, at the moment, we were getting well, every, I mean, you know, all the negativity, and now I'm surprised to see that it's flipped. You know, well, I I think, you know, if you are, you know, I listen to the Star Wars Underworld quite a bit. I think those three would say that they prefer the prequels to the original saga. That's what they grew up on, you know. Yeah. Um, they they love the original, you know, the original trilogy, but, uh, you know, the prequels and the Clone Wars stuff is there. So I think, yeah, it has everything to do with generations. And mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I, I don't I don't know if that generation... I, th I think our generation like the sequels better than the generation that grew up with the prequels. So it's like everybody's just telling everybody to get off their lawn. So, <laughs> well, okay, exactly. And then look, what's interesting is he's not the only one. He's not the only actor who's come out in support of the prequels. Uh, Liam Neeson and yeah, Liam Neeson. Yeah, he came out and said that. Uh, let me see. If, I know a lot of fans and critics didn't like, and he's talking about the prequels that didn't like it. I'm proud of it. And he's also uh, come out in defense of Ahmed Best, saying, at the time, I thought he was a really talented guy. I was telling uh, George that he, I thought I found him really funny. I thought he could be as big as Eddie Murphy got. And then, unfortunately, he got the brunt end of all the negativity sent his way. But yeah, he's proud. Jake Lloyd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Liam is proud of the work he did on the prequels and is uh, same as you, and which is good if, if you're coming back to it. I, I love that. You shouldn't have to apologize for the work that you did in those films if you're freaking Liam Neeson or, or Ewan McGregor because they did great work in those movies, those two in particular. Right. Um, so they should be proud of what they did. And, um, and if they get positive feedback from fans... Uh, I, I and it kind of makes me think right now of because I mean we're going through the same thing again with the sequels and the response and reaction that actors and creators of those movies have gotten. Uh, and I'm just like thing in, in 15 years they're gonna be like, oh yeah, I grew up with the sequels. I love Ray. I love Finn. I love Bo. Can't wait. Can't believe you guys are coming back. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because it's you know history doesn't repeat but it rhymes. Well, I, you, I, well I tell you what, you know. Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford, and up until a few years ago, Carrie Fisher needed to thank their lucky stars that the internet was not a thing when those first three movies came out. Yeah, I mean, r really, it's just because you know people. If if you take if you take the internet out of the equation of a lot of this, then people would go into movies a little bit more like you know open minded and you know not just already beaten down by life because they've, you know, seen, you know, whoever just railing about it on YouTube, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, like I said, they should, they should thank their lucky stars. 
So yeah. I, I would also say too that to be back to your point on the sequel trilogy, how they're just experiencing the front end of that now. Um, those actors like John Boyega has made headlines multiple times at this point. Um, and you know, some of the other actors as well. And I just give it time, gentlemen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let it blow over for the next 10, 10 years or so. And you may start feeling a, a little bit better about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so moving off of the production shows, uh, good news for uh, Aaron when he goes to uh, Disney World. Savvy's workshop is coming back in actually three days, September Sorry. 20th. Are you able to get your custom lightsaber? Reservations will open on September 16th. So yesterday on the My Disney Experience app, you will need a valid park, valid, uh, park pass reservation. Uh, they are going to create uh, kind of lower capacity, increased physical distancing, but yes, you'll have the lightsaber experience. So is it really interesting that this comes up? Because I think it was like just yesterday or the day before, um, Brittany, had, my wife, has a friend who uh, he and his family went just went to Disney World. And so she was asked, all right, so what's, what's it like, you know, Disney World pandemic? He's like, you know what? Not as bad as I was thinking it was going to be. So they actually have things moving um very efficiently very safely um they got play you know thou shalt stand here you know signs um but he was like it's a lot it was a lot a lot better than what he was anticipating um but um that being said we've talked many times as we're walking from the car to target with a mask on it's like nope wouldn't want to walk around orlando with a mask on in the middle of the summer you know, but they were, you your, know so. your sunglasses would just go with all the fog. Oh man, you, you're coming into the fall though now, Aaron. I know, right? So I don't know. It's uh, yeah, still Orlando. But that's that's. I'm, but I the thing that came out though is I said, I'm sorry not to hinge it on one thing. I said, but I don't want to go to Savvy's workshop if I'm just going to get a you know here's your Luke Skywalker lightsaber. I want. And she's like, yeah, I understand. You want your you know. Yeah, it makes sense. You, if you're going to go, you want to get a custom lightsaber. And now Fredo just tells me this. So thanks a lot. You're welcome. Well, Aaron, I, I'm curious. Have you, like, if you wanted to do it, um, have you decided on a general design? Have you, you kind of checked out the designs yet? I, I do have an idea, but I will not talk about it right now. So Okay. <laughs> I, right. Do have, I do have an idea, yes. Um, yeah. Now, that, being said, I, I, that being said, I will make my own, you know, custom lightsaber and then I will go buy a Luke Skywalker lightsaber because I've always wanted one. Not, I mean, like the, the Anakin Luke, you know, model. Ray. I've always wanted one of those. No, not the Ray. Sorry. The Ray. Sorry. Yeah. I, the Ray is, I love Ray, but no, I, sorry. That's the Skywalker saber. Anyway, um, I don't want a little leather band around it. Um, but, uh, oh, well, that's interesting. Well, thanks for... Okay. Thanks for yeah. giving me something to talk about now. And you know. hey, and I'll yeah. give you an update on my saber. It's held up remarkably well to uh, three kids and a lot of abuse. Um, I'd say that uh, we've had to glue a couple of pieces back on, but uh, uh, I think that was par for the course. Uh, and that's part of the charm, in. I'm sure. That's part of the charm. It's, <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, how do, what, what batteries does it run on? Do you remember? 
Uh, the little ones runs on there. a Kyber crystal, Fredo. What do you know? <laughs> Triple A. Okay. Better yeah, that, that's good. Speaking of going back to Disney World, Aaron, uh, there was a, a, a like a, a Disney World uh, call for investors, and during it, they mentioned that they are moving ahead with various projects for development in the park. And they're putting a priority on Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, as well as Avengers Campus and uh, Runaway Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So, if you still felt like going into getting into that big old hotel, <laughs> nope. He shakes his head. Nope. Sorry again. I, I just say it doesn't. It does not. I, I if I if I had if I had kids, maybe. Otherwise, I just feel like I think I would just look like, you know, creepy guy. Um, so, you know. You know what they do when you go. And, you know, I don't know. It may have been a while for each of you since you've been. But um, they put up these big billboards that says coming soon. You know, this thing, that thing. The Avengers stuff is coming. You know, the Mickey and Minnie Railroad thing is coming. You know, and so it's like. They know what they're doing. It's like you, you, you think, oh, I maybe I mistimed my trip a little bit, and I need to come back to experience these other things that are coming that are going to open up later on. Very yeah. clever with the marketing. Yeah, because I mean, right now they're saying that the immersive Star Wars hotel experience is slated to open sometime 2021. They haven't given anything specific. Avengers Campus may also be opening in 2021. Sometime around, uh, it was supposed to be this year, July 18th, but now it's been pushed back to 2021. Uh, so if you're planning on uh, going to either one of those experiences, maybe well, hold up next year. Here's the other thing it's kind of like you know, I Cats is like one of my least favorite musicals because like they come into the audience and you like the it, like they try to dance with you and stuff, and it's just like. Or it's like going to a you know a sporting event and the mascot is trying to get you involved. It's like don't make eye contact, leave me alone. That's what <laughs> I feel on the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser. You know, um, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Again, if if I had kids, it'd be something totally different. You know, it's like hey, let's go have this Star Wars adventure. It'd be great for me and my wife. It probably would be nah, no. So, you know, so we'd be we'd be walking around the cruiser going, "Where's the beer? Show me where the <laughs> cantina is." No, so you remind me of, and I know I've told you all this story, but I don't know if I've said it here on the podcast. Years ago, I was at Universal uh, Hollywood. So I was by myself. I was out there catching baseball games. I figured, okay, I got a day to kill. Go up there. And I ended up at Ollivander's, uh, the Harry Potter world, uh, Wizarding World. So they have a, an Ollivander's where, you know, you're surrounded by kids and they have a whole experience where you stand in line. Did you push and you the kid go, out of the way for a wand, did you? No, no. <laughs> Trust me, the kids are running all over. You you know, you turn around, you're going to hit a kid. So you got to be careful. Uh, but there comes a moment where they got to pick somebody from the audience to kind of take on the Harry Potter role with the whole wind and light showing up and waving of the wands. Guess who they picked? Yes, me. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Pick one of the I'm like, pick any of the kids. Pick any of the kids. Please, dear God. Pick any of the kids. I'm like, the light just goes boom right over my head. I'm just like, ah. <laughs> so I totally share in your sentiment about living in those totally immersive environments. Cause at some point you just gotta be like, 
look, you're not going to get me to spend 70 bucks on a wand right now because I totally did not feel like stepping up to this craziness, but now here I am. So, yes, instead of some little kid living their Harry Potter dreams, I was almost before you said that I was just about ready to start making a joke. It's like it's like when you go to a strip club and it's like you just want to sit in the back and hear, you know, but then you said all of a sudden, no, I'm not gonna spend seventy dollars on a wand. <laughs> <laughs> so they are the same thing. Basically, basically, look, look, look. They go like, look, get an adult, they got money. I'm like, no, get the kids. The kids will strong arm the adults into money. But yeah, so I totally share in your sentiment of not being a part of the show when you're paying to be there. I mean, Dave, getting out, so not to totally kill this conversation, but to kind of to kill it, you're, you're absolutely right about all the Disney stuff. I mean, that is so so planned out. It's like if they said, you know, all the updates are coming in 2021, then that's when everybody would plan their trip. But you're right. It's like we plan our trip, then you find out, oh, there's this new ride that's opening in two years. And we're like, we'll come back, you know? So I remember when we went um, for our honeymoon in 96, and they were talking about the rumors of Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that made us going, oh, we'd like to come back from Animal Kingdom, so yeah. And you gotta figure, I mean, I, I, I know some people who live out in, in the West Coast in California and they buy the season pass for, or the annual pass for Disneyland. So you gotta figure, there's gotta be, you know, you got that's a lot of money you're investing in your family. You gotta have a way to get those people to come back every year. I, I would do, I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't, I don't, mm -hmm. I would if I lived in, if I lived in like within a couple Driving hours of Orlando, mm -hmm. I would have, I'd have a season pass in a heartbeat. You know, Scott Colesby and I talked about if, you know, like if Six Flags was still here in New Orleans, it'd be like mm -hmm. I'd, I'd have a season pass to that in a heartbeat. I'd go ride roller coasters every day. Um, <laughs> But, you just uh, get a season pass just so you can just go hang out at Oga's twice a week. <laughs> That's right, man. Ah, here comes Aaron again. I'd, I would, I'd be up leaning there and I'd tap somebody and go, he doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> you just watch yourself. By the way, but I love I love the robot chicken. Sorry, we got to move on to the other stuff. I love the robot chicken when they do that. He goes, he doesn't like you. And Ponda Baba's speaking in, you know, is in with subtitles going, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> so two, two quick things. Well, one quick thing first is uh, Star Wars is going to be celebrating their ninth annual Star Wars Reads Day, which is a month-long event kind of promoting uh, readership and reading. So they have all sorts of uh, stuff and uh, well, we're connected with local libraries and bookstores. Yeah, They're going to be a uh, Barnes and Noble one time for that. Yeah. Yeah. So they have all sorts of little competitions for kids to re read and win stuff. So it's a good little thing in terms of, hey, you're stuck with your kids and you know, you want to promote reading. Stuck with your kids. But what I mean to say is you're trying to get <laughs> look, 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 look. it's better to be stuck with your kids than be stuck with somebody else's kids. That's different. But anyway. Uh, that I agree good. with. <laughs> yeah. I'm a very my kids kind of person, you know, more so than any kids. <laughs> Other kids are fine, but they're not your kids. Yeah, exactly. So so anyway, to promote uh, their reading and well, some parents get lucky. They love their kids love reading. Some parents not. So using Star Wars to promote that is always a good thing. So I believe the ninth annual Star Wars Reads Day is actually October first. So uh, visit the website. You know the official website. They have all sorts of stuff in there for them. Yeah, I have, uh, a, pin. I have a pin around here somewhere that's Star Wars Reads Day. But anyway, 
Uh, and then last but not least, uh, we got a new trailer, a new story trailer for Star Wars Squadrons, which I believe is still supposed to drop sometime next month uh, in October. Uh, hold on a sec, let me just confirm that. Yeah, October 2nd, actually, so it's about three weeks or so away. Uh, but this one was, it was more cinematic than gameplay, but it's all, it's titled Hunted, and the whole idea is about this uh, Thai fighter commander being chased by the New Republic after a battle and the the Galactic, what remains of Galactic Empire leaves him away. And it's actually pretty good. So the, the trailer is cut really well. John Knoll actually was interviewed by StarWars.com as to so, I know, how they taken some of their technology that they've used for the movies and using it to uh, create the trailers and give the sensa same sensation of uh, in the game as, as you'd get in the movies. Sorry, this, this Donkey Kong fan is just finding it so odd that we have trailers for games. Uh, Multi-billion dollar industry, you know this. <laughs> that being said, um, about, uh, about games, I purchased uh, Luigi's Mansion 3. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. uh -huh. where Luigi is basically like a ghostbuster and um, yeah. it's kind of slow moving but it's it's just kind of an enjoyable thing to do after work uh, so it's really kind of cute uh, mm -hmm. so um, and you know uh, it's uh, tis the season for that kind of a game right because yeah. uh, yeah. October is coming up uh, I, I try to do that every year now um, I think about games that Kind of fit the Halloween motif, and oh, that might be a podcast episode. I think mm -hmm. could we could go down that road if we wanted. Yeah, Castlevania one, Castlevania two, <laughs> all Symphony. of the Castlevanias. Yeah. Except for the other night, uh, Night Trap. Yep. We can start talking about Night Trap. I'm playing Metroid right now, the first Metroid. Mm -hmm. I, remember that, I remember that was a big deal. Yeah, we're gonna have to have another video game episode. Um, Resident, all the Resident Evils, yeah. So, uh, so, yep, that's here, it for news. Here ended the news, except for the biggest one of the of the week. Yep. The Mandalorian season two trailer has uh, has dropped. Um, so, what we're going to do is we will play that right now, and then we will analyze it, like, and and pick it apart, like the geeks that we are. So, with that. Here we go. Show me the one safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of Eon's past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect, you expect me to search for galaxies, galaxies and deliver this creature to a race, race of enemy sorcerers. This is the way.
So there you have it. We're all speechless. If uh, no one has watched it, they should go. Um, not just listen to the audio on this podcast. You should watch the trailer if you if you are so desire. But as Aaron said earlier, we're probably gonna get into spoilers and speculation and all kinds of crazy stuff that we can get into here. So if you don't want that, then. Check first out now, of, I guess. First of all, non-spoilery. What a good trailer! What a were good we trailer. talking about it? Yeah, were we just saying last week? Wow, we don't need a trailer. Looks like they heard <laughs> us. You know, but it's it, it's just uh, it gives you it, it, it's like it gives you all the <gasps> what is that without telling you what that is, and you know, and they have you know basically dialogue from the previous season. So, it, you know, with the exception of talking to one-eyed dude. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's like, and there's, I mean, there's enough Baby Yoda. There's a lot of Baby Yoda in there just so people can go, oh, yeah, I remember that little thing. And oh, yeah. So, um, but no, otherwise, I just, and the way I look at it is they're, they're setting up the story of, you know, he's got to find the Jedi to take Baby Yoda back to. And so when we're seeing all these places, all these planets or all these, you know, you know, townscapes and things like that, I've always got it in my brain of, all right, how is this related to trying to find a Jedi? And I'm trying to connect those, you know, those, those things, you know what I mean? It's like, so this may be a brand new place, but I think we're going to be seeing a lot of, you know, familiar or places we've heard about and maybe not seen a lot of, because it makes no sense for him to go to Omaha looking for Jedi if we know that Jedi weren't in Omaha. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but anyway, so that's, but overall, I like said, I just think the what you guys think trailer wise, it just. It... I think it does a good job of kind of presenting us what the central motif of the season is going to be, which is Mando and Baby Yoda looking for the Jedi, and uh, obviously. It's a journey that's going to take going to all sorts of different places and giving you a taste of that. They're also giving you a sense that none of the enemies from last season that were hunting them have stopped and that there's a potential for them to have picked up new ones. So we'll get into some of that. But that overall idea, it's still the continuation of the story that we left at the end of uh, Chapter 8. It, that's the sense that I get, that it's just going to continue right along, okay? Now Mando has his marching orders. He's going to protect the kid. He's got to bring the kid with him. And at some point, he's got to find uh, the Jedi to take him. And I think part of what's interesting about bringing that question of, you want me to deliver him to a race of enemy sorcerers is, there's going to be some doubt unto him, I think, just over, okay, now I'm supposed to be dad. I'm dad. And Dad Mando or Man Dad, whatever. Well, and and who really turned him over if I find the Jedi? 
and even even if as he learns the history of the Mandalorians versus the Jedi, there's going to become trust issues. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already got trust issues, but there's going to be more trust issues. Dave, what you when you saw this trailer, what you what you think? Oh, I uh, I squealed with delight uh, when Baby Yoda did his little duck into his little uh, carriage maneuver. Um, uh, that 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 was just such a perfect bit of comic relief um, in character for everybody involved. It shows um, the child's awareness, but it sh- it also shows that uh, uh, Mando is not one to be trifled with, as we well know at this point. Um, that moment just sang um, the voiceover from the armorer uh pitch perfect i think very much in keeping with what we knew of her character from last season um there there was some doubt whether she might return this year well this doesn't mean that she's going to return this this is dialogue this is dialogue straight from the last right right uh it, it might it might not um it was welcome for me, because I, it's like a warm blanket. Um, I think, I think her tone in particular was one that I associated closely with the show. Um, and so for that reason alone, it was good to hear her voice again, but I'd like to see her return. Um, I don't know. There's so many details that we can get into. and I know that we're going to get into, um, but I'd say that overall, that was my reaction was that it felt, uh, pitch perfect appropriate so uh, let's let's dive right into it first thing we see the razor crest is obviously kind of uh damaged but flying um towards a planet or moon it looks like he's heading to earth i don't yeah, know it looks like it's yeah the, the the you know you get reminded of that shot of going under yavin four or yavin to get to the fourth moon yeah uh same idea it's a gas giant planet a habitable moon, which is where he's going. Although the interesting part is the damage that the Razor Crest has taken. So, so let's again let's put it in the context that just play play my game with me here, if you will, because we know that he's got to try to find some Jedi. So, what are what are the possibilities? Where could we be? Is it is it possible we're heading towards Dagobah? Nobody really knew about Dagobah, right? I mean, I like that so. would, yeah, and I think that that's going to be a consideration. He's not going to be able to really lean into the force um, to figure these places out. He's only going to have to rely on urban legend. Of course, okay. Um, so then maybe here. maybe we're heading towards Endor. You know, the the battle, mm-hmm. the last battle between Luke Skywalker and you know the Emperor. I don't know. Yeah, I think places that Luke made public appearances would make sense in that sense. I, I don't know, Alfredo, what were you going to say? I, I was just going to say right quick, and maybe you can probably answer this probably better than I. You read the, you guys read the Chuck Wendig novels, right? Aftermath and Parsen. I'm, I'm, I'm two thirds okay. of the way through. Okay, yeah. so so in other words, do they? I mean, how big of a presence in the galaxy after the Battle of Endor is Luke? Because if you're supposed to be looking for a Jedi. That's your guy, so to speak. So you don't really consider, okay, because when I saw Tatooine, that's what I thought of. Okay, maybe he's 
backtracking, tracing steps, steps, trying to find Luke. Yeah, but we're you know we're we're early enough. It's unlike the Force Awakens, where it's like it's twenty some odd years. Everything's right? just kind of like myth. This is like holy McClunky. The 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 you know, Empire's gone and the Death Star is destroyed. Oh yeah, it was this Luke Skywalker dude, and I heard he uses a lightsaber and he was a Jedi. And you know, so there could the those rumors could be a little bit more prevalent. Um, but there's also the fact that uh, you know. There's going to be records. The New Republic has taken over the Empire. They're going to have you know access to, you know, records. Something. Anyway, I'm just wondering. We're obviously just speculating, looking at just this one planet. But I find it very interesting that it opens up, heading towards a specific planet. Right. But, and I guess that's what that was my point. Is like it hasn't. You know, the New Republic may have all this stuff, but I don't know has it disseminated yet to the populace at large. Because ultimately, that's the goal for you know Mandel. Mandel can't go on something official. He's got to go by what he's picking up from people in the know, or you know what's common knowledge, that kind of thing, to try to track down. If he's tracking down Luke, going in or going to Tatooine, that makes sense. Uh, but not necessarily also Luke. But you're also got to look at like where did Jedi, and we're going to get into this a little bit later. Where did Jedi train? Where would they, you know, where did they go when they're at their heyday? Right. Um, so let, let's just keep on moving. Uh, the next bit we see them, it's a stark difference. We're in a, a nighttime in kind of an urban area, and there's a lot of graffiti everywhere, which I think that's pretty cool. We've never seen mm -hmm. Star Wars graffiti before, except for on Rebels. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation since Ahsoka was um, semi-confirmed for this series uh, that you might get Sabine Wren as well. Um, because when we last saw Ahsoka, she was with Sabine. Um, About this and, time, more. Yeah, and we'll probably speak a little bit more about this theory in a few minutes here. But... Um, uh, yeah, you know, the graffiti that you see could be indica uh, indicative of, of that because Sabine is very much known for that. Um, the other possibility I've seen floated is that it's um, more to do with returning to the vibe that we got from season one, which is like Tatooine, you see Stormtrooper helmets on pikes. You know, yeah. there has been some uprising. Um, there has been, you know, the locals kind of taking matters into their own hands. So I think you could see that be uh, an extension of that. Um, as well as um, the planet that we left things off on. Um, uh, Navarro. Yeah. Navarro. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty run down, pretty... Um, I, I don't know, desecrated is the right word I'm looking for. but Well, and the Imperials that were there kind of got a spanking too. So it's mm -hmm. maybe even more lawlessness going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's an interesting shot because they're obviously they're doing it in darkness. And, uh, you know, so again, it's about jumping into the same vibe as before, you know, the lone wolf and cub. Uh, but it's an interesting point regarding. Just where could we be? Because 
you know, once we see the episodes, we're going to go, oh, well, totally, that's where it should be. But uh, right now, it could be any number of places. So next, we, um, after we've walked through the graffiti streets, um, we, the, sorry, everybody, this has to be Tatooine because it's a Bantha and it's uh, Tuscan Raider. Tuscan. And, by the, and by the way, when you watch this, it looks like the Bantha is talking because, you know, when Mando says where, the Bantha's mouth moves. And so it makes the Bantha look like it's going where, you know, so it's just, it's just <laughs> it was well-timed. Um, this was this was the part that made me kind of giggle to see a bantha like this because you know we saw banthas from a distance and you know this this was just kind of cool. I don't know. Um, like I said, obviously Tatooine, but why would again? So maybe I th you, the question comes up: Why would we be going back to Tatooine? Well, maybe he's gonna rifle through old Obi Wan's hut, you know. But and maybe he did hear about this, you know, Luke Skywalker or something. So right. it's got to be a reason he's going back to Tatooine. It's got to be because of of that connection. Well, that's the one that makes most sense initially. I mean, if you're tracking down Jedi, there's only one left in the galaxy, so to speak. And uh, he's from Tatooine. And that makes sense that he would go back, you know, to try to wrestle, you know, lead there. Plus, he's got priors there. He's got connections there, so it makes sense. And oh, that, no. was what I was, that was what I was going to say. It's like if you have a damaged ship and you need to set down for repairs, he already has a mechanic that he trusts on Tatooine at this point, right? Right. And he knows that he can go there and be safe and away from, say, whether it's Imperials or whether it's a New Republic, because yeah. Tatooine's still lawless. I, I mean, I get what you're saying, and that's... Um, not to that's the, not to sound like but that that's the easy answer but i mean the, <laughs> the 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 story is about him trying to find jedi i'm sorry we're going there's going to be it's going to be following one lead to another and it's probably mm -hmm. not going to be he needs to get his ship repaired but you I mean i got to go back to tatooine because you know there was you know a lead that's taking me here so but on a meta narrative level we know he has to go back to Tatooine because we know we still have those that guy with the spurs at the end of that episode <laughs> which was on Tatooine to well, resolve to we know that's gonna be answered so he has to go back also I'll remind you that the pace of season one um was sometimes uh meandering um you you kind of there were there were point, various points where I was kind of like all right get on with it we get it um so, yeah so we may have we may be in for that with the you know with a couple of diversionary episodes where it's like yeah we want you to get on with the quest oh gosh we have to deal with ship repairs this episode okay uh, I'll go along with it, but uh, that maybe I'm trying to set my expectations a little bit lower in that regard because you know I'm it, it could very well be something along those lines. And from uh, you know I'm just gonna borrow you know from from an RPG element, you can't just go from mission to mission to mission. You're gonna have setbacks. You're gonna have diversions. You're gonna have side quests. Maybe going back to Tatooine is a side quest, or maybe it has to do with. Let's go find Obi Wan's hut. 
Let's go try to see if maybe Luke Skywalker's there. And hey, along the way, let's get the ship prepared because I keep getting it beat up. Yeah, he also, yeah, have eight to ten episodes, so you can't take too many side quests. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, the other thing is I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going back um, with some sort of, even though he's dead, but some sort of, you know, Jabba's Palace, Jabba the Hut type of deal. Um, we'll talk more about that later. So the next thing we come up to is a snow planet. So where does everybody in the world think we are? If everybody says Hoth, I'm going to disagree hard. That's, I mean, that's, that's um, immediately, you know, that's what everybody thought. It's like, oh, we're at Hoth. No. Uh, no. You know what I think? Yeah, Go ahead. I, I, you've played the game and I've watched, you know, Clone Wars. Dave watched Clone Wars. Yeah. So, um, I think that the idea of it being Ilum is a far more likely. Part of me thought Ilum, but you know what else a part of me thought? Uh, for the first time I saw it, I thought the planet where Ahsoka crash landed at the end of uh, Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, that no. somebody, somebody mentioned that as well. Um, I don't know why, but it, that's, that's what I thought. Cause there's the next shot of it is, Baby Yoda in the snow and Mando leaning onto him, and there's a ship in the background yeah. that looks up in Old Republic. Yeah, um, but I, but I like but I also like the idea of Ilum because we know that Ilum becomes is a, a known planet by the fall of the Old Republic because that's when Jedi Fallen Order takes place. Well, it's so the idea well, of going there was, makes sense. It was it was a Jedi hotspot. That's where they took younglings to get their lightsabers and stuff like that. Kind of crystals. crystals. Um, yeah, it becomes Starkiller base, and Favreau has said that you will start to see kind of the, kind of maybe the birthing of the, that's my words, not his, of the First Order, so it would make sense that if they're on this planet, it's like, geez, what the heck are they doing over there? It looks like they're really building something. Oh, well, gotta go, kid, you know, <laughs> you know, who knows? Um, yeah, but, I wonder uh, if it would be interesting to see, I mean, because he's being traced by Moff Gideon. That's obvious. But I wonder if we would see something like the First Order, because I don't think those two sides of what was left of the Empire may be on the same page. And that might be an interesting dynamic where maybe Mando and Baby Yoda are using the first, what's going to be the First Order to hide from Moff Gideon. So, or, getting, or getting them to fight one another. And so, I'll say... Uh, an argument in favor of Hoth uh, would be the tracking Luke Skywalker's footsteps motif. Um, right. Like, where has Luke Skywalker been confirmed to be? Well, Tatooine. He's, we know he was on Hoth. Um, we're pretty sure he was on Cloud City. Th that was very brief, and not a lot of people probably knew about that. Uh, Endor, like you said, Aaron. Um Okay, so it. hold on. You just, you just <laughs> all right. So now maybe you're on to something because we have seen an indoor looking planet. We've seen a snow planet. We have seen, you know, Tatooine. Um, there's also the thing, the whole, that's a story for another time. Are we going to maybe find out how Maz Kanata comes to have Luke Skywalker's lightsaber? Oh, <laughs> came from Mando. Okay. Why Which, not? I, okay. You you laugh, but that is not that is not a tough line to draw. That, yeah. could, you, could you see Luke in some way, shape, or form in this season? Well, whether you do or not, it would be an interesting route for them to go because you're essentially repeating the plot of The Force Awakens. 
-hmm. It's like a Luke Skywalker scavenger hunt, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there is something compelling about this idea of Luke more so than the actual person Luke and and how that resonates for other people and what it means to the galaxy at large and so like okay we must chase down this myth so we must chase down this man and uh you know it worked to the tune of a couple billion dollars with the force awakens so i would i would see why they wouldn't be shy about returning to the well here either mm -hmm. so in looking at this shot, you said the ship behind them. That's the thing that was uh, that was catching my eye. I was trying to figure out what is that ship. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you talk about the planet where Ahsoka and Rex went down, right. you know, I mean, well, I guess their Y wing made it. So that, I mean, I was trying to look at that as that like like a like the head of a Y wing. I mean, you see right. the you see the gun um, at the nose. Um, you know, I, but that the orange markings, I'm trying to, like I said, I'm trying to, to figure out what this ship is. Um, but, yeah, cause part of me thought it may have been one of the transports, but then I went, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a, a Republic transport per se, the markings and everything kind of, that's the vibe they give you. It's Clone Wars. Doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. give you a, a rebellion, uh, vibe, but you know. That just said, it could be any number. And look, it, it could, for all we know, it could be a ship that Mando maybe would have stole. So anyway, all right. Well, you know, I, 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 I think we should actually have an office pool met sometime. We should go through and say which we think each of these planets are, and each put in a buck. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that that one is probably Ilum. It would make sense from a Jedi perspective. Um, now on the, the next thing, we are in uh what looks like a well we've got a lot of corn a lot of squid faces around um so i mean dollars to no donuts we're on moncal because um, there's a ship also later on right well we'll there. see the we'll see the boat up but this first shot i mean you just got you know like i said corn all over the place and on moncal you have the mon calamarians you know the admiral akbar's and yeah. the and the squid face, you know, the corn, and they they don't they don't get along. But that's an ocean world. I know some people have said maybe we're on Camino, which that would be interesting because of the doctor with the Camino and patch. I mean, that was not on accident, unless he was just hired because he's a good cloner. Um, but, uh, but 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 correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, the, the few times that we see Camino, both in the prequels and in Clone Wars the aesthetic, the architectural aesthetic that we get from the Caminoans is not that rundown and dingy. And I don't get a sense that there's a lot of well, and, other until, species on it. Until the Empire just, you know, takes it over and neglects it and just shuts it all down. I mean... Good, but, yeah. I mean, the impact on Lothal, for example, you know, how the Empire can, like, just strip mine a place. But, that is true. Um, I, you know, I tend to agree with you, Aaron. Um, at, at minimum, it's very, you know, it's a port side town that they're in, and you're going to see them seafaring soon, which is kind of cool because this is stuff that we don't typically see in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, and it would make sense for like individuals uh, who are from Mon Calamari, who are from an ocean world, that they would gravitate towards 
ocean oceanic environments to kind of like make a living for themselves well we can fish because we're quite good swimmers you know <laughs> i mean as silly as that sounds you know it makes sense if you're gonna if you're gonna set um an action piece or um an important plot point in a kind of an ocean side town it would make sense to have a lot of those types of species there so i think that's really cool you wouldn't have ewoks there because they'll get all wet and the fur would just stink. It'll start to smell yeah yeah exactly uh, smell like wet dog yeah <laughs> um so next up um we have the mystery woman they mm -hmm. uh and the the voiceover at this point is he's talking about you want me to take them take him to you know a race of sorcerers enemy and, sorcerers enemy sorcerers and they show this mystery woman who my first i mean give me give me a little credit the facial features actually do look a little bit like rosario dawson mm -hmm. uh, but when you uh, immediately i thought well first of all let me let me explain myself um kessel run transmissions it was uh, their podcast, and they had a rumor, spoiler, whatever, that Rosario Dawson had filmed a scene specifically for the trailer wearing a hood, but it was going to be a dark hood, not like the light one that she was wearing at the end of Rebels. And so when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. So I think they probably got something wrong um, mm -hmm. because it is a person that kind of looks like Rosario Dawson, but it's obviously not Ahsoka because there's you don't have the markings the, well the markings and the things on the head i mean it's a little orange complexion so it is it's the right it's kind of the right complexion but anyway uh but uh you guys and, and other people have said it also is what sasha banks is that the name yeah wwe superstar sasha banks yes <laughs> that's what it says on her business card when you become a wwe superstar that's that's your moniker for life so it's like it's kind of like dwayne johnson He's so I had I had heard a rumor actually that she was playing Sabine Wren, and so that would make sense that you know again a Mandalorian is looking for so you know comes into connection with another Mandalorian and says hey I happen to know this Jedi you know it's it doesn't take long to connect those dots, um, but the voiceover says a race of enemy sorcerers and they show this person and then that person disappears. That makes me think not Sabine. And then I saw I was reading other people's speculation. I can't remember who said this, but maybe it is. Could it be a, a former night sister? That's what I was also thinking of, uh, and I don't know why, but I, you know, part of me popped in my head. Like, well, who else do we know that's still out and about? Because we know there was a number. You know, most of the night sisters were wiped out by Dooku and Grievous, but. Uh, a few of them did survive. So now, what if? And I, I mentioned this in our group chat. You know, what if? You know, Sabine and Ahsoka. You know, before they go off on their adventures, or as they're off on their adventures, maybe Ahsoka is training Sabine in the ways of the Force. So maybe there's going to be kind of a quote-unquote marriage of the Mandalorian and the Jedi. You know, once again after they had. You know the original, uh, whatever his name was, like Tar Vizsla. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what what he, where, or it could be somebody just totally nobody that is going to be new to us. 
What do you guys think? So first thing that I thought is like I went to kind of make the the math in my head because the last time we see Sabine is at the end of season four Rebels and she's eighteen. Now that's five years before. No, 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 no. Well, the last time you see her is in that epilogue, which right. is, is post Return of the Jedi. She ain't eighteen. How old is she then? Well, she was probably about sixteen pre A New Hope. Right. So then you gotta. So, she, so she's this is this is post uh, Battle of Endor. So she's in her twenties. Okay. So then, well, that's my point. I was gonna make. Uh, she's that's in her twenties. She's in her twenties post uh, Empire Strike or Return of the Jedi. And then and, add another so six then, years. Add another six. So I, which I mean, makes sense with Sasha Banks is I believe 28, 29. What, and I'm sorry, but the th the three of us go into a bar and we see somebody order a drink and we're gonna go. She don't look twenty one. I mean, because <laughs> In our in our mind's eye, we all look twenty one, but you know yeah, we're not. We're like not. Baby. So I, I I think I think the math works. I'll I'll let you go though. I'll shut up. I'll drink no. some water. So no, what I was gonna say is just simply I think the math works out. So if she's Sabine, she's of age appropriate. Is what I was trying to say. So if they wanted to cast Sabine, her Sasha Banks as Sabine, she's age appropriate. She might be looks appropriate. I don't know. That's that's another. Issue altogether, you know, whether or not that's who you picture when you saw Sabine in live action. But I think, you know, if that's Sabine, it would make sense in some way that you wouldn't necessarily have uh, Ahsoka tailing, uh, whatchamacallit, Mando and Baby Yoda. You would have somebody who's more accustomed to being clandestine, like Sabine. Yeah, but like I said, doesn't it have to be, and we'll let Dave chime in here, but doesn't it, given the voiceover, is it, is it just, Poor trailer making, or just dopey misleading to be talking about Jedi and showing well not a Jedi and making well, the, and making them disappear and making them seem like a Jedi. Well, here's the thing: we're saying it's poor Jedi, you know, trailer making because we don't know who she is. If they had shown Ahsoka. But so it's what I'm saying. It's it's either you know it's either you know being blatantly misleading or it's bad trailer. I don't know. So, right. uh, Dave, what do what do you Go think ahead. when you when you saw this person? What was your like? It's blah because you had to have uh, that reaction. Um, mystery person X. Oh come <laughs> on. <laughs> It might, be, it might, it might just when be you, when, you and, when you and Kate are going out and she says, "Where do you want to go to eat?" You're the one that says, "I don't know. Where do you want to go?" Oh God, we don't go down that road. We're pretty good, actually. <laughs> we don't have that couple. I mean, I'm like, "Where do you actually want to?" I'm like, well, here's what I don't want. But well, anyway, Brit Brittany um, and I are totally that couple. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, it's it's kind of frustrating because I really do feel. Uh, Rogue One-ish about this with the trailers of Rogue One and you and you watch Rogue One and you're like, wait, what happened to X, Y, and Z? I, I kind of feel like this is that moment for us in this trailer. Um, they're talking about Jedi and they're cutting it in a way that she appears to be Jedi-like. Uh, I don't think she actually will be one. And I don't think she's Sabine either. Um, I, I know people have speculated that because of the blue hair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess she's known for having blue hair in her uh, WWE persona. 
uh, and Sabine at varying points has had blue hair. Um, I don't know if that's enough for me. And I think it's okay uh, to reimagine a character um, in a different way. It doesn't necessarily have to be note for note, pitch perfect. Um, they, they said something really interesting in the gallery when they were talking about the dark saber. They said, you know, because they're like, wow, here's the dark saber and the real thing. He said, and I think it was Dave Filoni said, well, remember, it's like the animated stuff is kind of like basically an artist's rendering of the real thing. So I think people are going to get hung up when they start seeing it. If there is, if Captain Rex is in this series, if Sabine is in the series, Ahsoka, they're all going to start nitpicking over the fact that the look, the look that it's not the same. It's going to be like, well, you got to imagine this is like, you know, the the animated series is like the courtroom, you know, rendering of you know the people on trial, you know. So you're getting an artist rendering of this. So yeah, you, you're going to have to let it go a little bit. But uh, the artist rendering, I always think of that Tom Brady one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Angular with a little sharp yeah. curve. Yeah. I don't know. I immediately go right to Tom Brady. So, so can I offer one more crazy hypothesis? Go for it. Sure. What if it's Barris Offy? You remember Barris, the smoker's friend? Was yeah, she's she, supposed to be dead. Was, but she, the was, she, was she killed or was she just put in? in she was, you know, they say that she was killed during the Great Jedi Purge during Order 66. But I'm trying to remember if we actually saw that happen. There'd be markings. She had a lot of markings on her. Face. Yeah, she had mark. Well, my, my point being, if if you wanted to throw a swing, if you're bringing back Ahsoka, but bringing back somebody who calls her to place in the Jedi Order. But I think I think to marry your idea with Dave's, it very well could be so, a Jedi who has just been in hiding, hiding this whole time. Could be. You know, somebody mm -hmm. who is off with their master and is like, oh, crap. And just went to work as a fisher person, you know. Speaking of which, the next shot is, and this is kind of funny because people are like, we've never seen a boat in Star Wars before. And they forget that Ryan Johnson put one in The Last Jedi. And we had two seasons of The Resistance, which was all on a water planet. But anyway, so, but it is kind of cool though to see a boat like trawling out onto Lake Michigan or whatever the heck it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different setting. It's a different aesthetic very much. Yeah. So it's, you know, we talk about, there's only so many biomes that you can go to, you know, in film. And this is one that, that live action has not really spent a lot of time in Camino kind of, but not really. That was more rainy, but to see him on a boat, that's kind of neat. The, uh, Princess Leia, uh, novel, um, I don't, I don't forget the which one it was called now. The one that was um, Bloodlines. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the characters that that served under Princess Layout came from an, like an ocean-bearing planet, and they were very proud of their ability to like um, be tough, you know, and like they would drink this terrible you know, a hundred proof alcohol concoction, you know, to prove how manly they were and stuff. And uh, it was kind of this fun subplot. Um, uh, and it gave, you know, it fleshed out this character a great deal. 
Um, and it'd be kind of fun to to visit that planet. I don't remember the name of it offhand, but I can go look it up. Well, as you're doing that, next uh, we have the Razor Crest being flanked by X-Wings. And I'm sorry, every time I see live-action X-Wings, I get giddy. Um, and if you look, there's an R2 unit in the back of said X-Wing. Um, of course. Uh, so do we, do we think that... Uh, and actually, what's kind of funny is as the X-Wings go, suddenly, Dave... Those X-Wings are in the clouds. <laughs> we're, we're flying we're, through the clouds. We might be on to something here that we're, you know, and, and again, let's let's take this. Okay, I, I, as much as I said, I think the snow planet was Ilum. Uh, let's take this if we, baby Yoda, okay, and so if you end up finding out that this species had a Jedi master named Yoda and, you know, and I don't know, somehow I'm trying to figure out how you would connect all these dots, but linking it back to we're in Empire Strikes Back land. You know, it's like we're we're seeing Hoth, we're seeing Bespin, you know, and then into Return of the Jedi, you're seeing Tatooine and you are seeing, um, you know, Endor possibly. Uh, I don't know, but anyway, I just, it's funny because I just scrolled through and it's like, oh, well, yeah, we're in the clouds, so. <laughs> Which, the, the thing that I was kind of thinking of when I, first of all, when I saw that shot is, uh, going through the clouds is, I, it reminded me of the shot in Empire when uh, the two uh, uh, security, cars. exactly, yeah. when they're flanking the Falcon as it's approaching the landing pad. But here's Here's the deal in the uh, first shot of the Razor Crest being flanked by X Wings. Um, the X Wings. It's good. The, well, the, the wings are down. And then when they're in the clouds, actually, then the wings start coming up into attack position. And then when they're in the clouds, the wings are in attack position. So well, I don't know what's going on. But do we, do we think that Amando's being attacked or escorted? What do you think? I, okay, so when uh, I put this shot with the first shot we saw together, and I was thinking maybe Mando is trying to go back to places like Yavin or Endor or even Dagobah, places where uh, Luke was, and that may still have a military value or have a presence from the New Republic. Therefore, you know, if he's, if he's violating military airspace, the natural inclination would be for them to send uh, ships to figure out, okay, who are you? What are you doing here? And if he's not willing to answer those questions, so to speak, they may get into a attack mode of, okay, you violated our airspace, we're gonna shoot you down. And now I, and now that I see the clouds, I am going I'm gonna I'm gonna make that bold prediction and I'm going to say that he's the one that finds Luke's lightsaber and gets it to Maz Kanata. If he's in Dave, if he's in uh if it's in uh Bespin. So anyway, um uh, I don't know. Uh Okay. You can, you know, what's fun about that idea too is he can run into some Ugnots on Bespin, hmm, you know, because of his relationship with Quill. But maybe that's break. why he's going to Bespin. Maybe there was some lead that he Quill was stationed there. Maybe there's a lead that he's following. You know, yeah. you know, you don't know. I don't know. So, I, so I want to say the one thing about the X-Wings, though, too, quickly before we move past them. Um, 
there's such a different vibe with X-Wing fighters in this series. Um, you know, they w as kids, they were like the hero ships and they were so cool. And they were just like, you wanted to be an X-Wing fighter pilot and all this. Mm -hmm. And, and now they're kind of bureaucratic and they're a little bit, you know, like forceful and mm -hmm. like not necessarily in a good way. I mean, that was, that's been our only experience with them in, in the, uh, in the series so far. And, uh, they're and, the state uh, troopers. They're the state troopers. Yeah. Of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a whole different vibe now. Mm -hmm. They've gone from being the cool, you know, out on the outlaws to now being the, by the books, uh, Cops pulling you over. <laughs> so next we get a, uh, a quick shot of uh, Mando on a speeder bike in a desert planet. I'm guessing it's probably Tatooine. We can't go to two. Well, it might be Navarro again, I suppose. But We um, have to spend time on this. Have you got, did you guys see Jason Ward's tweet making Star Wars? Huh. Um, about this. Okay, so some people have apparently freeze-framed this and like uh, blown it up and you know, done some analysis and have tried to um, basically analyze what's going on on this speeder more so than what you might just initially assume. Uh, it looks like the Mandalorian is hauling Boba Fett's armor on the back of the what? speeder bike. Huh. Yeah, so you, at the you have to go to Jason Ward's tweet probably to find yeah. it rather than the actual trailer. Would you like me to share it, Aaron, so you can see it as well? Uh, I mean, I've, got, I've got the thing on full screen. I don't know. You know, of course, now if you show me, then it's going to be, oh, well, sure it is because. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, like, um, regardless, um, I thought that was a decent segue uh, mm -hmm. to start talking a little bit more about our mystery um, spur wielder <laughs> and who that might have been. Which and that gets into the Aftermath series that Fredo was talking about because, mm -hmm. yeah. Go ahead, right. Dave. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, or Fredo can speak to it a little bit too. Well, just simply, I mean, the, the natural, I mean, well, we started talking about it. The natural assumption was that it was uh, Boba Fett because he's the one character we know who's got worse spurs. But uh, Chuck Wendig's Aftermath novel. I still have never heard spurs in Empire Strikes Back. But anyway, go ahead. They're, they're in there. They're in there. Trust me. Uh, they, uh, they introduced a character by the name of Cobb Vanth, who I believe was a slave, right, Dave? Yes. Who uh, somehow frees himself, uh, recovers the armor of Boba Fett, which had been recovered after, you know, the, the Sarlacc spat out what he couldn't digest. And, you know, basically wins it, you know, wins it from other people and uses it to become the sheriff of this community of people called Freetown on Tatooine. So he kind of declares himself the law of the town, and he's walking around like a cowboy, so to speak, in this wild frontier town on Tatooine, which if you got Mando racing on a speeder bike across town, maybe he bumps into him. This is um, uh, canon 
at this point that this character has the armor. Um, there is still no for sure accounting for Boba Fett being dead. Um, so, and because of Tamora Morrison, um, there is speculation that Boba Fett might be returning. And so you could be in a good, bad, and ugly situation with the three of these individuals who would have a very invested um, attachment to this armor for different reasons. You know, right. Mando, because of his culture and because of what it would mean um, to Mandalore. And, you know, like this armor belongs with my people. Um, Boba Fett, because, you know, this was my dad's armor. This is my armor. This is my birthright at this point and then obviously this new sheriff character who has inherited it so you could have uh you know a three-way standoff um with these characters dave filoni originally tried to do with boba fett uh and cad bane in uh clone wars um and we might be getting set up for that i don't want to necessarily expect that that's for sure what's going to happen you know but um it's kind of a fun what if it, it creates an interesting dynamic because you know that dave filoni loves westerns you know that john favreau loves westerns so creating a sort of mexican standoff to use the term from the good the bad and the ugly here with these three characters would create a dynamic because what's going to be interesting is you're going to want you're going to be rooting for mando but Cobb mm -hmm. Vanth, by and large, is a stand-up, you know, once he becomes the sheriff of Freetown, is a stand-up character. You're gonna wanna side with him. Plus, casting Timothy Oliphant makes great sense because that's he's he's like born the dude's born to play cowboys. And then Boba Fett on the third end of that, it'll create an interest, you know, with all his fans. It create a dynamic where all three of them could be pointing blasters at one another. And you're like, please don't shoot one another, because I can't <laughs> afford to have any of y'all go down. So so I just I just found the tweet and okay yeah again, you know whether it's matrixing or not, but yeah I can see what you're talking about. So yeah, yeah I mean whether it happens or not, if if he uh, if Timothy Oliphant is playing that character, then he's going to be wearing that armor. Well, I tell you what though, the Mando would probably be like, no, you shouldn't be wearing that armor. Mm -hmm. And that even uh -huh. Boba, Fett, Boba Fett shouldn't be wearing that armor if it's, you know, Mandalorian armor because he's not yeah. Mandalorian. So, um, yeah. What's also, yeah, what's also going to create creates an interest in them because Boba Fett, if he does come back, has a stake to say, I'm Mandalorian because I'm a clone of a Mandalorian. Uh, I don't think. Well, uh, he, he might stick to it. I'm not saying. Well, I don't, I don't think Django was. I don't think Django was, but I think the point is Boba believes it, or at least believes it enough to be wearing it. But the idea of uh, that's my father's armor versus Mando or Din Djarin going, no, that's my people's legacy who rescued me versus Cobb uh, Vant going, I'm actually using it for good here. You know. Next couple shots, we'll probably be able to hustle through mm -hmm. real quick. We got Cara uh, Dune and Chubbs. Um, and, uh, and actually I'm thinking that the first shot with all the graffiti is not Navarro because this looks like Navarro and it looks like it's 
um, cleaned up and happy go lucky and you know everything tiny. They cleaned it up as best they could after the last battle. So um, they moved the rubble to the side. And then you have a uh, like not just one, but looks like four Tie Fighters with the folding wings. So, um, Outland so, Tie Fighters is what they're called, apparently. Outland Tie Fighters. Yep. Okay. I, I guess the idea is these are Tie Fighters for remote areas that uh, won't necessarily have support uh, facilities to take them in and birth them. And uh, by the way, I want to get back to, uh, um, well, no, we haven't been there yet. Sorry. Uh, we have stormtroopers running through an obvious imperial hallway. Um, whether or not this is on a spaceship or uh, something that's, you know, um, on a planet, who knows, but they're running. Uh, Here, uh, here's some uh, baseless speculation. What if it's Death Star 2? Yeah, because the angle of it, it's not, I mean, it's an interesting angle that they use. It's to off kilter. It is. It's not It's not meant to be, oh, just stormtroopers running. It's no. stormtroopers panicking as they're running. So not to, not to throw cold water on you, but uh, the Entertainment Weekly photos that came out, there was a shot of, uh, the Mandalorian, Cara Dune, and Chubbs in an obvious Imperial hallway. Um, my guess is probably a Star Destroyer. It's probably Moff Gideon's Star Destroyer. And they're just using the Batman angle. It's probably, <laughs> you know, anyway. But um, So next we've got uh, speeder. Uh, we got more biker scouts on speeder bikes. Jumping into a canyon. I don't necessarily know if that is Tatooine. I will, point like out, I will point out that the biker scouts still have their knee pads upside down. <laughs> I was going to say, it looks like they race or they drive better than they shoot. Yeah. Um, so it's cool that we got speeder bikes back. I always dug those. Um, then we got the Mando. We got Mando um, almost like trying not to drown. He's in a sewer grate with water coming up to his up his neck. So, which means that the child is not with him. So, hmm. well, it makes me wonder if when he went back to uh, to Navarro, he might have left them with Cara Dune because there's trust there. So really nothing we can speculate about those things, but we got now we got Mando uh, taken off in his jetpack. Um, so he's obviously getting better with that. Um, but then we're back to graffiti place and some dude hanging by his ankles from a light post. And I don't know if Mando must be trying to shoot him down or something or help him. I don't know. But like I said, just tons of graffiti. Um, that's what's really interesting to me. I don't know why, mm -hmm. but um, not a graffiti, not much light. Yeah, not much light at all. So it makes me wonder if something's going on, or if this is a bad part of whatever town they're in, or if it's just a bad town overall. Now this next shot, um, we're back on the snowy planet, and this is the one a lot of people are saying it's Ilum because it looks like it's taken straight out of Jedi Fallen Order. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. With the high so, canyons and whatnot, yeah. Um, so it's it's Mando going back through the Fortress of Solitude or whatever. Um, 
Um, then what do we got falling out of the sky? Something is burning up. Mm -hmm. It looks like the Razor Crest. So that's uh, that's disturbing. <laughs> um, then we get to, it's funny that Sasha Banks is in this because now we're in the squared circle with uh, Grimorians with their axes. It's a Grimorian fight. Um, so the pig guards, you know, from Java's palace. Um, so they, they got nothing else to do. They might as well be wrestlers. Um, <laughs> so Mando is, is going uh, into this and he starts talking to one-eyed guy that uh, who is, you actually see this uh, creature species in uh, A New Hope, right? In the cantina? Yeah, in the cantina. And I, it's, did it sound like John Favreau's voice to you? Might be. I was paying more attention to what he was saying, but you're right in the in the in the intonation. Could be, or maybe or maybe they got Taika Waititi to come back. And then uh, as he's talking to him, three three guys with guns jump up and uh, and you know point their gun at Mando. That's not going to end well for them, I'm sure. Uh, I love the little moment that happens then when he activates the little whirly birds, the whirling birds, whistling birds. I'm sorry, and Baby Yoda recognizes it's about to go down, hits the button on his crib, and gets inside. Just chunk. Yep, that, that's the next. That's the next one here. That's the uh, that was the icing on the cake. Yeah, we get the whistling birds, and Baby Yoda knows what's going on and knows how to close his crib. So, um, like I said, he knows nothing. it's going down. <laughs> No, nothing really to speculate here. Uh, that's just just kind of fun to see. Um, it's dark for a while, and guys go down from being shot by the whistling birds. Um, and then we just get the Mandalorian now streaming October 30th, and we all have to wait. So I don't know. I you know so let's let's now we've we've had fun time saying Bespin and Endor and Luke and all these other links to the original trilogy. Do you think that'll be a major turnoff to the people who were really turned on by the Mandalorian season one because it was something totally different, or do you think um, people will would embrace it if that indeed does happen? If we get a lot of you know of the Skywalker saga. Well, I guess it is the Skywalker saga, but also Jedi Fallen Order, also, you know, the Clone Wars, things like that. If you get those references in this, because he's going to be looking for Jedi, do you think people will go, ugh, or do you think they'll embrace it? I think, they, go, go ahead, ahead Dave. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that they've built up a lot of capital. Um, and like that's the thing that they did in season one that was so great because they just like we're going to build this the right way. We're going to do this. It's going to be self-contained story. It's going to be a small story. We're going to do right by these characters. You're going to care about these characters, and by and we're going to tell a self-contained story. So by the end of season one, uh, you'll feel satisfied with what you've got, um, but you'll also be attached to. The, the people that are still standing at the end of the thing. And so going into season two, they have all this goodwill built up. Um, I think people are going to be a lot more willing to go along with whatever direction they ultimately want to go. And so whether that is, you know, more cameos, 
uh, or whether it's you just fewer cameos. Up. You, just, you just backed me up for like basically, you know, what I thought it was kind of the opposite of what they did with the Force Awakens. It's like we're going to give you all these things to make you to show you Star Wars is back, and then we're going to deviate off into other things, and you'll come with us on this trip. I, I you know, both are excellent, you know, motivating factors. You know, um, so yeah. I think I was, but you know, I was gonna say, uh, regarding season one, it had to start in a new place because it's a time period we haven't seen before. Mandalorian's a Din Jaren's a character we hadn't met before, so yeah, I kind of had to get acclimatized to how things were for him. And as we went along, we kind of uncovered parts of what is, you know, the real his reality is. But now, because he's got Baby Yoda, because he's got his mandate to go seek out the Jedi. We should be seeing those elements reintroduced or becoming uh, more prevalent in season two. There's no way. There's no way you can avoid it. You know, if his job is reconnect Baby Yoda with other his species or with the Jedi, well, that means you're going to have to find Jedi, and that involves bringing in everything else that we've kind of seen. Doesn't mean you get it all at once, but it means it has. To, he has to now become part of the larger story that we know. So real quick, uh, the obvious thing that we did not see in this trailer, what's the, what's the thing that sticks out like a sore thumb? Who did we Moff, not see? Moff Gideon. Moff and Gideon and the Darksaber. Yeah. Talk about, it's like, you know, giving you a, you know, big old, you know, hint at the end of the last uh, season, and then we're not going to show you any of that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the the rumors that we have heard and still is so still we can't confirm you know Ahsoka we haven't seen Ahsoka, um, Katie Sackoff as yeah, um, we can't confirm that one um, you know like you said Tamara Morrison we didn't see any of that um, so those things are still I think there's this I think those that we're just late listing off there those are the baby Yodas of mm -hmm. this season you know. All, all these rumors that people are, you know, hearing this, that, or the other, they're not, I don't think they're going to show any of that footage until the episode hits now. I think this trailer is enough for people to get through the rest of September and into October, and they can wait until episode four or whatever to show, you know, Bo-Katan or, you know, the last episode to show Ahsoka. I actually, I don't think Ahsoka is going to come into it until the finale. Let I me mean, put it this way: it, there's, we were saying last week that we didn't need a trailer. The fact that we got one is appreciated because, hey, you get to see and we get to speculate, and it's fun to see kind of how you know some of the places they're going to go and some of the adventures they're going to be in. But that still doesn't mean that we're still not going to watch. You know, we were already in, and the idea that. Oh, we need to see Bo-Katan or Sabine or Ahsoka in order to kind of buy in. No, people who know those characters, they were already they they paid their ticket, you know, you know, way back when, and they're along for the ride now. So, this is more about making sure to remind everybody, hey, it's coming back. If you thought, you know, if you hadn't thought about us, here we go again. So, it's good. It makes everybody happy. And uh, right quick before before I go away, I was going to mention. They did confirm all the directors for the episodes. So Davis, Dave Filoni's back. Bryce Dallas Hour's back. Rick Famuyi was back. Uh, John Favreau's going to direct an episode. Carl Weather is going to direct an episode. 
and then Peyton Reed and Robert Rodriguez, who we knew were directing there, you know, as well. So those are your directors for the season. I wanted to springboard a little bit off of something, Aaron, that that you'd said, which was just that is this going to be a slow burn, you know, like with some of those themes? It's like they leave this major cliffhanger at the end of season one. Well, they don't have to resolve it right away. Um, that may be a six-episode arc. It may be the whole season before we get any sort of resolution to that. But um, I can't help but think with the name. The name of the series is The Mandalorian. And the biggest mystery that we haven't had any sort of uh, hint at resolution to yet is what happened to freaking Mandalore. What happened to the Mandalorians? Because they're just, they're scattered to the winds. They're all in hiding. Uh, they're afraid to come out because they think they're going to get wiped out. Um, how did the Darksaber get, fall out of their possession? You know, like, essentially, how did they go from this proud, um, you know, warrior, uh, proud group of warriors to... Hide in the shadows. Well, and and the, the Mandalorian the Mandalorians have always been linked to the Jedi for better or for worse. I mean, they're they're kind of like the yin and the yang, right? Um, so I think they'll be able to tell that. I think they could tell that story while also trying to find the Jedi, you know, to take Baby Yoda to. Um, I think it's a, it's an essential piece of who he is, though, right? Because right. that's the name of the show. It's that's who his character. We still refer to him as Mando. The, the uh, Chubbs calls him Mando. You know, it's um, it's like this is who he is. So, what does it mean to be Mandalorian? Like, what is it, what does that even mean in this time frame? We don't really even know that still. And so, I want to see more of that unfold. Um, um, and these new rumored characters um, make a lot of sense for that, right? Like Sabine Wren would make total sense. Ahsoka, to a lesser degree, would make some sense. Bo-Katan. Uh, yeah, yeah Bo-Katan, who we know is going to show up, you know? So I have a lot of excitement about that. I, I, I have faith that, that we'll get there. It's just it's interesting that they, they stayed away from it completely in the trailer now what about what about the fear uh is there a fear that is created by the the rumor that is uh pedro pascal quit halfway through the season two actually was told to take a hike mm -hmm. because uh, what i was reading today was that he was wanted more screen time without the helmet on and went and complained to Disney ex or Lucasfilm execs. And they said, you know what? No, go take a hike. We don't need you. And then you link that to, you know, what John Favreau has said about being able to branch off onto other stories in the second half of this season. Do you think there's any validity to this? Do you think if Pedro Pascal was kicked off of the set or quit, whichever side you want to, do you think that that would have, only hit the ears of one insider journalist or would yeah, it no. in the talk of all of that? <laughs> no, no way. I mean, put it this way. If for some reason, because look, when you are 
an actor in a recursive. Think of stuff like whether it's Friends or Seinfeld or Game of Thrones. Whenever your show hits the psychos, the cultural psychos, where you don't even have to be a fan of that property to be aware of it. The fact that the negotiations for money and screen time become headline news around the world. So if for some reason, Pedro Pascal had marched into the Lucasfilm's offices and, been, and told them, I want more of this. And Lucasfilm said, take a hike. That would have led an entertainment tonight. That would have been on CNN. That would not, because he has people, he has agents, he has publishers, he has some team that represent him. And they would have made sure, hey, just FYI, Luca, Lucasfilm's trying to kill the golden goose here. And uh, the fans would have been in an uproar. So I don't necessarily think the idea that he was ever at risk of being fired. Now, could there have been some internal dynamics between him, the producers, whatever, over certain storylines, whatever? Yeah, that could happen. Or maybe somebody didn't get along. I mean, shoot. You know, People, no, actors a, don't get along. This is bigger. Though. This is It is interesting, though, that you have, you know, this character is always under a helmet. All you need is a good voice actor that if, mm. you know, uh, you really, that's all you need because it, it's isn't, this isn't like plan nine from outer space where I think it was a Bella Lugosi died halfway through. And so they recast and they just had the guy wear a cape and put the cape over his face for the rest of the movie. So you couldn't, you know, I mean, here you actually have his face concealed the entire time. It would have been like if David Prowse would have said, I'm out. You know, so uh, fine, we'll put somebody else in the Vader costume and we just have, we'll dub the voice. True. Uh, I mean, but then, but again, we go back to the idea of if they make those movies today, would they have been able to withstand the pressure from the internet? Well, but yeah, I think that the bigger thing, like you said, though, is if, if that would have happened, it would have reached so many other news outlets. And Dave, you're more into the, the journalism realm of things so are are we off base on that would that would it have hit more ears no, you, than you're exactly right he would have it would have it would have filtered out upward and outward to bigger outlets um and then the other thing too that i want to state is that stellar reputation for getting along with other people on set and for being um, a, the person who treats others with respect and, and, and does it the right way. Um, and so I want to make sure that we convey that. I haven't heard anything differently. If you guys ever do hear anything differently, that then we almost, can this almost sounds like This almost sounds like somebody at Lucasfilm saying, let's see if we can find out who the leak is. And let's, let's drop this story that, you know, this is what Pedro did. And then it it gets to this reporter's ear. So now they can say, okay, it was Fredo who told, you know, because they go to dinner all the time. I mean, it, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like the, you know, like Brittany and I have always joked about, it's like sometime we're going to change our Facebook statuses at the same time to our relationship status to it's complicated. And, and freak just, everybody out. And just watch, just watch the social media, you know, our friends just crumble as to what's going on. Just Yeah, don't do that. It, it, but it seems like that's what they did here because it comes to one person and it's just like, I'm not seeing the reports anywhere else. There's, just, a rule, there's a rule in journalism where you get double sourcing. And I think a lot of people have heard of that. Anybody yeah. who kind of follows journalism has heard of this. So you want to get two people to corroborate a story before you're willing to run with it. 
Now, there are exceptions to that rule. If you hear it straight from the horse's mouth, it's like, <laughs> like you want to know if Drew Brees got a new contract, you know, with the Saints. If Drew Brees tells you that he got a new contract with the Saints, you could probably run with that. You know, you yeah. probably feel pretty good about that at that point. You don't necessarily have to get that corroborated. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, this is standard operating procedure. You have to get done. So this is like some internet report. Again, I don't want to minimize anybody, but it's like, I have an in at Lucasfilm. Well, congratulations. A lot of people have ins at Lucasfilm and they hear a lot of things and they're not all going to be true. And, and we should be fair. I mean, regarding, I mean, uh, shooting on sets for 14, 16 hours can be tiring. Even the nicest of people, you know, fray after take number 27 where you have to deliver the same blank because stuff doesn't come off right. It's, that's that's normal operating procedure in sets. But at the same time, the idea that maybe they're going to use the second half of the season to try to expand the their version of the Star Wars universe more, further, it, it's not a bad idea. If you want to see if people want to see more of Cara Dune, give her an episode and see if people want to follow the story. If not, you know, okay, fine, we gave it a try. You're not committing to anything beyond one episode where maybe she's minding baby Yoda, trying to figure out if Mando got captured or whatever, that kind of thing. Well, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, and I, well, I not really don't mean to apologize, but uh, I think anything Dave Filoni does is to continue the stories that he was telling in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And it's like he, that's what he used Rebels to do. And then he got his second season of Clone Wars and Mando is turning into that a little bit. I'm not against it, but it's just we should not be surprised if, you know, if that's what we're getting here. You know, it's just a continuate. It's I get another chance to continue this story in a different venue. Um, So if you look at Rebels as a model of that, right, because Rebels was in a lot of ways a continuation of Clone Wars. he waited until maybe season two uh-huh. to, to try to make more of those connections, bring back Ahsoka, bring back Rex, you know, these kinds of things. Um, waited until these characters that new characters he was trying to establish had a chance to get their feet wet. Yep. And so, you know, if you're following a script, um, we're into season two now. So now would be the time that he would feel more comfortable doing that i mean could you imagine if it's if the, the episode that dave Fulham is directing is where were ahsoka and sabine for the last five years would yeah. anybody complain <laughs> i wouldn't complain no. now, now some people who have never seen rebels might complain they're like what the heck why are we follow these characters but i think the show's built up enough uh goodwill like you were saying dave to be able to earn those kind of Okay, let me throw this curveball at you. Well, and this can be this could be for another show, and I don't know who's invading my house. My dogs are going nuts in the background. But anyway, um, we haven't talked about it. it's not a short, it's not a long line to draw um, to get Thrawn into this it's, series. We have we still have that that dangling uh, uh, unresolved storyline of of Thrawn and Ezra. I mean, they they could show up in this, you know, it may be, you know, maybe, I don't know, who knows? I, 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 
I have to tell you about that too. Like it's interesting to me. They're they're holding that story back. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know when they're going to feel comfortable telling that story, but they've been holding it back because all of the Timothy Zahn novels uh, dealing with Thrawn have been set in the past. Right. Uh, they've all been pre that moment with Ezra and Thrawn and the space whales. Um, everything before that point, they're going into massive detail on um, because they know that people are interested in Thrawn. They want to read Thrawn stories. So they're going all in on that, but nothing beyond that point. They, they've, they've come close to even touching on yet. So they're holding it back for, for a reason. And we're just, I guess we just have to wait on eggshells to see well, what it's going to be. I was just going to say, could you imagine if the last shot of season two, you know, last shot of season one was the dark saber with Moff Gideon. Can you imagine the last shot of season two is Moff Gideon opening a door and there stands Thrawn. Cut to black. <laughs> see you in a year. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be pretty cool. So. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, there's a thousand uh, Star, you know, Star Wars fans who just scream, enjoy so, uh, the idea. They scream. So I, I, you know, we could we could keep you know speculating all night long. Um, but real quick, just just around the horn, just real quick. You think we'll get another trailer between now and October 30th? I say yes. We're going to get another one. I think so. I think we'll get we'll get one probably something you know like something premiere on a Monday night football game that kind of thing, at least a TV spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd I just, say so. I just don't think they can help themselves. I mean, <laughs> Look, there's, there's, some, of, there's still a lot of time left. I mean, you the, got a whole perfect, the perfect thing would be just this tease. That's it, and then you know. But they released it, you know, in barely mid-September. So it's only going to get, if if it was, again, pre-internet, when we see the Return of the Jedi trailer, and then it's like, oh yeah, that, that'll keep you going for six months. You know, but now it's like, this will only last people for a couple weeks before they're gonna want their fix. So, and so maybe there is still a possibility we'll see Ahsoka, but. Anyway, with that, um, I guess what we've got Raiders Monday Night Football. That's right in Las Vegas. Uh, what do, I, I, I think we're I think we're going to take the Raiders. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I I don't like making any sort of guesses because I yeah it's me and the Saints. But uh, <laughs> no, I um, think it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, the Raiders were good, if not spectacular, against the Panthers. They did, they did all right, but neither neither team looked. You know, they looked like Week One team games. So we'll see. But I'm confident. I'm confident our defense can go in there and travel and win. Completely off topic. I looked up the name of the planet that I was referencing earlier. The sea planet, uh, Pamarth. Uh, it was an outer rim planet. They're all outer rim planets, and they can't name things really well. Marthans <laughs> were known for being excellent pilots, as oh, well, 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 well as their courage on. and gusto. What? Who were? Pamarthans. Oh, Pamar. I oh, said Marthans. No. <laughs> like, did the person have a list that was writing that or something? No, no. They're they're all the parents of Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent's moms. Marthas. <laughs> Wouldn't bother. Arg. 
Sorry. All right. Yeah. Well, with that, we will end this episode of the Who That Jedi podcast. Remember, you can find us on Podbean, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and find us on Twitter and Facebook, Who That Jedi podcast, or each one of us individually. Uh, like I said, we'll always talk Star Wars with you. Um, but um, until then, hope you have a great week. Stay healthy and um, go Saints. We'll say Who Dat. Who Dat. And we'll see you next week. Makanki.